He was like a self-made businessman from the area who'd come back and was sponsoring the local boxing club and the local soccer teams. You know, as a, as a guy who seemed to be, you know, working for the community and being proud of his community. He was at pains to say that, you know, he was a legitimate businessman. He'd paid all his taxes, you know, was really kind of part of the community and there was, there was nothing untoward or any criminality involved in his lifestyle. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. One week after three men were charged in connection with the Regency Hotel attack and a European arrest warrant was issued for Jerry the Monk Hutch, a former Sinn Féin councillor has been brought before the Special Criminal Court charged with the murder of David Byrne. So who is Jonathan Dowdall? And what do we know about his links to the Regency investigation? I'm joined by journalist Eamon Dillon as we pick apart the details of what we know so far. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. When I said to you last week, Eamon, that we might revisit this story um, in the coming weeks or months, I didn't realise we'd be doing so within seven days. But there's been further developments this week on the Regency Hotel investigation. A big development, actually. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people were surprised, I guess, Tuesday morning that uh, Jonathan Dowdle appeared in the the Special Criminal Court and he was charged with the murder of uh, David Byrne. So, I mean, it's a, it's a major um, kind of development in it. I mean, he's the second person now... Um, that's you know well he's the first to be charged in Ireland and of course we know that Jerry Jerry Hutch there's a murder charge waiting from now that the European arrest arrest warrant has gone out and um, the the three other people who are charged are you know they're charged with peripheral offences you know being you know in, in, organizing vehicles organizing a hotel room stuff like that so this gets to the this is really getting to the kind of the the end game I guess to some extent it's probably the start of the end game in fairness and Jonathan Dowdall. Um you know, he woke up to headlines. We we were told during his brief court appearance the other day that uh, he's in Wheatfield Prison for reasons that we, we won't go into on this. But he woke up to headlines this morning about himself. But bizarrely, in uh, March of 2016, he went on the Joe Duffy show to complain that he had woken up to headlines about himself on the front pages of all the papers. Uh, Dowdall was previously a Sinn Féin representative on Dublin City Council. He had, in 2016, he was about a year stepped down from the Sinn Féin party. But uh, he hit the headlines because at that point his house was raided in Dublin. Yeah, and I mean, from Sinn Féin's point of view or from any political party's point of view, this guy was a perfect candidate. He, you know, he, he was like a, a self-made businessman from the area who you know, who'd come back and was sponsoring the local boxing club and the local soccer team. So, I mean, you know, as a, as a guy who seemed to be, you know, working for the community and being proud of his community. And this was something that he he, he obviously went into in the interview with uh, Joe Duffy. Um, obviously, one of the, he had a bee in his bonnet about the fact that, uh, that you know, it, he seemed to have attracted all the publicity. He, he, he complains that there were 30 different raids that day and there, were, there was quite a lot of activity that week. Um, but he seemed to be the only one who was singled out for this sort of treatment. And he suggested that the guards were there actually a lot longer than was was mentioned in the media, that they spent 24 hours in his house. 
And he even suggested, you know, complained to Joe that they'd been in the house several hours. And when the media arrived, he suggested that the guards staged knocking on the door as if they were going in for the first time. So, you know, he really was kind of putting it out there that, you know, he'd been unfairly singled out by the guards in this investigation. Um, and he's, you know, he was he was at pains to say that, you know, he was a legitimate businessman. He'd paid all his taxes. You know, his cars were, were either paid for or, you know, he had taken out legitimate loans. You know, that he he was, he was a, you know, he worked hard at his job and he'd worked for, you know, his nice luxury car. He always enjoyed cars and motorbikes. He had, he had nine electricians or nine people working for his electrical company. And, you know, and sometimes he'd have to go to the credit union or his father-in-law to borrow money to, to make sure they all got paid. So, I mean, he was really putting himself across as this hardworking local fella, you know, made good, uh, you know, who was, again, you know, was really kind of part of the community and there was, there was nothing untoward or any criminality involved in his lifestyle. And just to set the scene around this time, this is weeks after the Regency Hotel attack. Um, a day previous, um, the, the, the guards had raided a um, premises in Slane in County Meath where they'd found three AK-47s um, and arrested a, a, a man by the name of Shane Rowan, a Donegal paramilitary who'd later plead guilty in the Special Criminal Court um, for membership of an illegal organisation and on those uh, those weapons charges. Um the the guards had also just raided the home of uh, Liam Byrne and others from the Byrne Organised Crime Unit. The, the Criminal Assets Bureau had gone in and raided those houses around the Crumlin area, and um, there was a, a lot of activity. I mean, it was it was the beginning of really the investigations into both sides of these of this feud. The the Kinnahan crew were being hit in the pocket, are certainly the beginnings of of those. Uh, Criminal Assets Bureau investigations and in the case of Dowdall he had fallen into the larger investigation into the Regency. I think when he went on Joe Duffy he mentioned that he had been uh, the raid was a section nine that he was being uh, raided on the basis that he was a suspected member of the IRA and that they were searching for firearms and explosives. Um, Duffy in the interview questioned him about a fish pond in his back garden, um, where the Garda Sobakwa unit had gone in and, and dived looking for those weapons. Now, nothing was found in his house, Eamon. Is that the case? And nothing in relation to this investigation was found in the house. I mean, certainly when the, the AK-47s were found, it was, uh, it was seen as going to be a major breakthrough. But uh, yeah, no, the, I mean, it had been reported in, in all the media that morning that this giant aquarium at the back of his house um, had been had been raided. There was... There was um, Journalists had reported that uh, guards had brought in underwater cameras and then had gone in with breathing apparatus. So it, it turns out anyway that the, this giant aquarium or large aquarium is actually a pond in his back garden he'd built himself. Um, Dowdle, like told Joe that uh, it was very much a hobby of his and that sometimes he sold these Japanese koi fish to some of his pals who were into it. It is, it is, a, it is a thing. Some people, I guess, are into it. It is a hobby. Um and uh, he said, like, in fairness to the guards, they didn't drain the pond because they didn't want to be cruel to the fish. So the, the fish anyway survived the, the incident. But um, one of the things he also complained about uh, what probably hasn't survived was his company. And I mean, he more or less said that as a result of the raids and the surrounding publicity that it effectively ruined his business, that he worked for, you know, he carried out contracts for big multinational companies and that some of these were kind of uh, calling up or talking to some of his workers and questioning what was going on. Um, he was suggesting that he w- he was losing staff, 
So I mean, you know, it was kind of he—he was—he was very much kind of a, a, a wounded man. Certainly, the way he came across in the Joe Duffy interview. He was at pains to say, and I think on two occasions, that he'd no connections whatsoever to criminality, and he—he uh, he remarked a number of times about the guns that members of the emergency response unit or the Garda Special Detective Unit, whoever were in his house, um, had that he'd never seen machine guns like them before. And uh, he was surprised that every time he went to move from one room to the other, that, um, you know, there were weapons on on these officers in the house. Ironically, as he was brought before the court this week, we know that that incident in the Regency Hotel what made it stand out more than anything was the use of those AK-47 weapons by the perpetrators. <clears throat> so, look, there's not much more, I suppose, we can say about this for the moment. I think they're all four of them are due before the courts again in June, where they'll be served with a book of evidence. Um, we, the public, won't know what's in that until the, the, the trials begin, and that's presuming they <clears throat> they plead not guilty. Um, any word on where the main man, the monk, is? Well, I haven't found him yet. <laughs> but just speaking about the monk and Dowdle, I mean, in that interview, um, he did mention that he, he knew Patrick Hutch. Yeah, this would be Gary Hutch's father, who was, you know, one of the, the first basically to die in the feud, and that he considered him a friend, and that he knew him through the boxing club that he he sponsored. And, and sp- actually, a month later, he actually gave a second interview to the Mirror newspaper. And in that, uh, again, he said, he, he, this time that he knew Jerry uh, Hutch um, through the boxing club. He said, of course, you know, he says, I, I don't know him that well, you know, personally, not very friendly with him. Like he doesn't say a lot, but he's not this hard man that he's been depicted to be and he give you the shirt off his back. So, I mean, that, that, was, that was kind of like, I mean, I suppose anyone who lives in the, the north inner city and is involved in that particular boxing club is going to meet a member of the Hutch family. It doesn't necessarily mean you're involved in criminality and neither are those members of the Hutch family, uh, you know, involved in criminality. But uh, just he even mentioned uh, that he, he claimed that, you know, people were trying to link him to the Kinnahans in the interview with Joe Duffy show and, you know, and mentioned in that that he had nothing to do with them. So, I mean, it was very much, I think, uh, I guess he, he, he was certainly trying to, give the impression that he was completely bewildered and he had no idea why he was being targeted by the guards. And of course, he is innocent until proven guilty, so he he still ha- has that that stature. But we will come back to this story again, Eamon, and hopefully not next week. Maybe we might get a little more time now before, before this comes up again. Or who knows, perhaps the monk will be plucked from wherever he is in, in Europe. Um, and certainly we will we will revisit this again. Thank you very much. No worries, Nicola. Talk to you soon. From Sundayworld.com, this is Crime World, produced by Ian Mullaney. Available online and on all podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch, check out our Facebook page, Crime World with Nicola Talent.